Welcome to Talk Commerce, where we explore how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce and the communities they work and live in. This week, we interview Neil Twa. Neil is an executive mentor to business owners responsible for over $100 million in collective FBA sales. He has helped to launch, grow, and scale seven- and eight-figure high ROI brands. He is the CEO of Voltage Holdings, which operates launches, scales, and acquires e-commerce brands with a focus on Amazon FBA. He owns multiple ventures, including Voltage Portfolios. His partners include Kevin Harrington, the original shark on the hit series Shark Tank, and the inventor of the infomercial. He has sold thousands of products, leading to over $5 billion in sales. He focuses on e-commerce brands to take them direct to consumer across multiple channels. We discuss how you can get started on a new business venture selling on Amazon with little or no experience, or how you can take your existing business to Amazon FBA and automate the delivery of your products. This is a great conversation around why a business needs to embrace all channels and even why a business needs to sell some branded products. This episode was recorded on July 15th, 2021. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at SwiftDotter.com. And now, Talk Commerce. All right, welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Talk Commerce. And um, I have Neil Twa here today. Neil doesn't know that I have an extremely low budget for uh, for audio. So a lot of times I ask our guests to re- to either sing what our intro song should be, or just tap it out with some drum beats. Um, so Neil, if it, well, let's let's start out with the introductions. Neil Twa, uh, yeah. which I, I've uh, earlier learned it was from Northern Minnesota as one of the fur traders on the Hudson Bay or Hudson Bay Corporation. Um, and um, uh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? What, what do you do and one of your passions? That's probably one of the most awesome introductions I've had on a podcast yet of uh, bringing up fur trading. Um, yeah, my great-great-grandfather was a fur trader from French Quebec, Canada. So one of my passions, I, if you'd asked me to sing, I would have brought my ukulele and that would have made it more fun because I like to joke around on the ukulele. So I don't really have a song for you, but uh, passions for me, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but my family is a passion of mine. Uh, I very much enjoy, I have four daughters. Uh, I enjoy spending my time with them. We've homeschooled them for the last eight years. Uh, spend time here on uh, with my wife. We have 40 acres in the country. 
my parents have got a house and a, a off the dirt road on our property on five acres. And my aunt and uncle have seven and a half acres attached to the other side of the dirt road over there. And my in-laws are up there. And so we built a community out here and we spent a lot of time together, uh, which is wonderful. And I have kind of a passion for, uh, spending a lot of time with my family, frankly, and instilling a lot of, um, activities and business and all kinds of life things into them every day, which is a, which is a big thing for me. That's very good. So I would say the next thing they're going to start asking for is paved roads. Well, yeah, paved roads out here wouldn't do so well. See the paved road from us is about a mile that way. Uh, and it ends that way. And the rest of it is maintained by this special roads division. And I have to maintain the other. So I have a tractor out here where I maintain the road and keep it up uh, between the families down here, which is part of the fun I get to have was riding tractors out here in the country. <laughs> Very good. So uh, we're not here to talk about uh, road paving today, but we here, no, no. we are here to talk about commerce. Yes. And uh, um, I know that you uh, have uh, um, some great insight on how people can get started in commerce and even sure. from starting to build a business to how you're going to fulfill that uh, that product or service, yeah. you can kind of bring us up to speed on where you start in that. Yeah. So a very second close passion behind my family is e-commerce. Uh, and I have been involved in it for a couple decades in different ways. I've been most recently involved with it in the last eight years uh, through private label, uh, physical, uh, physical product branding, um, using the Amazon channel, uh, FBA, what's called Fulfilled by Amazon, to validate those products, validate their brands and their market opportunity, uh, very much understanding what the customers want and getting in front of them for their buying habits, because Amazon's buying everything in 30 seconds or less is their motto. If you are like us, we call it subscribe and spend. Uh, Amazon shows up probably three to four times a week at my house. Um, you guys might have similar uh, aspects of that. They're a very powerful uh, infrastructure. Uh, and so we've learned to, to leverage that uh, as part of our business growth and economies of scale. So doing e-commerce in the past, we've had websites and we've run Shopify stores and paid traffic and native ads. You might use a different platform, Magento or others, uh, to get your uh, e-commerce wares fulfilled. Uh, but at the end of the day, we chose Amazon because we believe that that's where we were to find the kind of avatar uh, that we could get in front of very quickly, who was you know, able, willing, and uh, interested in buying that product in 30 seconds or less. So it did solve one of the major components um, that we have dealt with in the past. Prior to that, um, I was a lead gen person. I made a lot of money on affiliate marketing by um, building and uh, making lead funnels and uh, selling leads to companies uh, who use that to increase their business. And in a couple of cases, get Series A funding into their company because we grew them so quickly. So I very much understand the complexities of trying to get in front of the right customer, what we call eyeballs on the offer, right? Uh, to get the right product purchased at the right time. It is one of the things I noticed that many people have struggled with um, over the years. It's a big component of, you know, I want to sell something online, but then I have to determine how I'm going to get in front of that person and who that person really is that wants to buy my product. And somewhere in that, I have to meet them in the middle of their decision-making process and me coming in, getting in front of them at that time. Uh, where the decision is made. Um, it's marketing at that point. It's not sales yet until I actually get them to say yes. So with Amazon, it's very easy to get a lot of people to say yes to your products. And so as I've taught people, uh, well, now over thousands of people, actually in my last eight years, um, we have been able to show them how to get right in front of the people who are already buying these products on Amazon and put their product in front of it and get it to you know buy their product instead. 
Uh, I usually use the analogy of the lemonade stand, right? You know of a highway that's out there and you put your lemonade stand out on the highway because there's traffic already coming by. What you don't do is put your lemonade store in the backyard and then try to funnel people into your backyard to buy the lemonade. So what we do obviously is go out to the store where all the traffic is running. And while there's a lemonade stand already out there, maybe they're selling the pink lemonade and it's just pink lemonade for a dollar a cup. Well, we'll pull our lemonade store up against this other one and we'll sell the pink lemonade, but we'll sell it with a cookie or we'll sell the yellow, yellow lemonade with a cookie. We innovate a little bit. We don't have to invent because the data is all there. And when we show people who are new to the whole concept of selling how to innovate, not invent, there's a lot of aha moments. That, that happened, Brent, during that phase, because now they can see something that's already working and they can realize, well, if I just make this a little bit different, I could sell this version and compete. So I don't have to go invent a new kind of lemonade. I just have to innovate a demand that's a little different, right? So maybe customers are like, great yellow lemonade, but I'd really love to have some pink lemonade. No, by the way, do you have any cookies? Um, yeah, actually I do. And so I can charge a little bit more for my product. I get my stand up next to this person and oh, I start stealing away all their traffic, right? So if you think about that and visualize that for a moment, you realize that, you know, getting the lemonade stand isn't the difficult part. That's the mechanics. That's what enables you to sell the cookies. It's really the value proposition of that customer showing up to your lemonade stand. That's probably more important. And that's one of the things I love about why Amazon works for people who are new or just getting started, or maybe they have existing brands on another store and they're doing well over here, but they don't have an Amazon presence over here. It's pretty easy for them uh, to see and identify who that customer avatar is, and then understand if they double their understanding of that customer, they'll double their revenues. And we show a lot of new people how to get in front of that traffic that's already there. Yeah. So I, I think we're talking about a number of different customers in different stages. And mm -hmm. COVID has taught us that those stubborn retail customers who think, I'll just sell everything out of my retail store. Right. I don't want to get a website. Right. Uh, they learned in the last year mm -hmm. that once all those customers walking through your door dries up, or if you're still able to be open, but nobody's coming to your place because everybody doesn't want to leave, that there yeah. has to be other market or your, there has to be other channels that you can sell your, your, your items through. Yes. So um, maybe walk us through some of those different stages on what clients or merchants could look at yeah. in terms of the channels they should choose. Yeah. Well, most people uh, initially, in, in my experience doing this for so long, the, one of the first questions they ask is, you know, what the hell do I sell? <laughs> what is it that I should actually sell? How can I make money with it? Is it going to sell when I put it in the market? Um, they're all usually very valid questions and they're typically based on emotions. And so I like to take the emotions out of this for a second um, because there is a there is a demographic that works for for different channels. Um, but you should understand there's there's really one demographic that makes up more than 50% of all of those sales, whether it's retail or online. And that's typically women 25 to 27 plus. It is uh, no mistake that Amazon's largest demographic of buyers also is women 27 plus. And if you go out into the greater world, the majority of, of purchasing power in the home is coming from that demographic. So because of that, when you take a product to market, um, obviously you can sell to, to men and women and et cetera, but you have to you know, just know where they're going to be and what the potential of it is. So again, mechanics are mechanics at the end of the day, whether you choose to put a website up and 
go into Shopify or Magento or something else and you go to find people and get them to look at your products or you go onto Amazon and you use that tool to take your product to market. The real thing here is understanding what you're going to sell and what that solution is for the customer who's purchasing it. At the end of the day, am I reaching that person's solution? So let me give you an example of what I, I mean by that. If you, Brent, had a really sore infested tooth and it needed to be taken out and you were screaming in pain because it hurts, when you go down to the dentist and he says, hey, I'll have that out for you in 10 minutes for $500 or I, it'll take me you know, 200 bucks, but I got, you got to wait 30 more minutes to do it. What are you most likely going to say? I'll pay the 500, take the tooth out. Like I'm not waking any longer for this. You needed a solution. You wanted it now. You're willing to pay for it. So if you start to think about it differently, it's a, it's a scarcity and abundance mindset situation that we're talking about here. So as to answer your question more succinctly, to find those people and find those products is to understand that you have a value proposition for what you're selling. Uh, you can build a different narrative into those products. And of course, they can become more profitable uh, on whichever mechanism you choose to sell them on. Again, we just happen to find that Amazon is a big ocean. Uh, and it has a lot of traffic in it and it has waves coming in constantly with traffic on it. So we just said, hey, we need to get out there, um, get on our boogie board and start riding those waves. Uh, to help answer that question, we built a software um, called Six Leaf. And the software and why I say we take the emotions out of this is because the software tells you by the numbers what's profitable, what's not profitable, what is an opportunity and what I should actually avoid. It actually has red, yellow and green lights in it. And when the three profit columns go green, there's a product that you should consider selling. Now, you obviously need to do your market research and you obviously need to get your cost of goods together for your products. But when it goes green, it's a product you could sell. And that is just in the numbers because it's a business building exercise uh, that we're really talking about. As you and I talked about in the green room before we started this, uh, we very much focus on business building. So there are all kinds of technology that can enable that, softwares that can enable that, mechanisms that can enable that. But when we build the business, again, we're very much thinking about who that customer is and what their solution is, right? Are they willing to pay 500 bucks for a 10 minute solution? Uh, and when you start to think about it that way, you realize there's a lot of people who would be willing to pay 500 bucks to get their tooth removed in 10 minutes. When yeah, so many I, people go the, I, go the other direction and suffer because of it. And so you've just given me my first idea because I have a pair of pliers over there. Uh -huh. uh, I might start putting, pull your tooth come to my office immediately. I'll grab it. Yep. Five um, minutes for so, your money back guarantee, right? <laughs> absolutely. So I, I, you know, I think we're, we're still, we're, so you're talking about the client or the merchant who's in the stage of not having a store at all, right? Yep. Like so let's talk about to the figure out what they want to start a new business. Maybe they even wanted a home-based business. So sure. I am, I'm somebody that comes to you and says, you know, I, I, Hey, I've got a box full of t-shirts that I'd like to sell. Uh, but I'm really not interested in trying to ship them. What 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 should we tell them? Yeah. So if they're an existing merchant or they're moving products already or they have an idea in mind for something to sell, uh, let's talk about that group for just a minute. Um, that would be what we call found money on Amazon. So in our experience and our clients' experience, when someone's spending money, traffic, and has products moving already, say in another website, another location, even in the retail space. Uh, and they are not on Amazon. What they're not realizing is Amazon has now become the comparison engine. Amazon is now the pricing engine. It is now the validation engine, uh, similar to the way once upon a time businesses weren't legit if they weren't in the yellow pages. And then when the internet came online and you didn't have a website, you weren't a legit business. 
well, the world of e-com is now moving into, if you don't have an Amazon store to represent your brand, you don't really look legitimate, especially if I see you on Facebook or other things, uh, the trust factor is going to say, can I go find it on a place that I do trust? Uh, so when you are already selling it, what we found is if we spend traffic 500 to a million a month and spend about 18% of that traffic is ending up on Amazon. So if you already sell products or you're wanting to move existing products into a marketplace, you should understand that if you're putting it on Amazon, you're actually finding money because your people are ending up over there. So as you want to get them in the system, maybe you want to have an Amazon ship it. It's called FBA. It's known as Fulfilled by Amazon. And it's a beautiful $15 billion infrastructure uh, of warehousing and shipping and delivery, which you may know on the consumer side, as you punch on your cell phone and have stuff show up in a day or even an hour when you're in city centers, um, what you should realize is about 54 to 60% of that delivery products you're receiving are actually coming from third-party sellers just like us or people that could be just like you. Now, whether you're selling t-shirts and you're wholesaling or whether you're white labeling products that you've got you know, from a manufacturer or you're innovating a little bit uh, on that trust factor and you are getting a private label created, um, Amazon can deliver it, manage it, even help with your customer support and give you that option to open a channel uh, without a big warehouse, without more people hiring, because it has a very large economies of scale. So we can run these businesses to seven, eight figures without hiring people, without employees, without warehouse space, uh, and without all that infrastructure overhead. Um, so that's where businesses existing on or uh, you know, in the retail space can really take advantage of this channel relatively fast and even get free found money that's already moving on Amazon for potentially products they were trying to sell to you somewhere else. And they ended up on Amazon and bought it instead. You mentioned spend earlier. Can you mm -hmm. elaborate on that? What do you, what do you mean by that? In terms of spending for- You said 500 uh, to 1,000 spend. Spending in traffic, ads, influencers, paid traffic, native ads, Google, Facebook, uh, direct marketing, uh, direct mailing, whatever type of spend that is. Uh, in this instance, I'm talking about people who were online who were spending about a million a month in paid advertising through channels like Facebook, Instagram, AdWords, et cetera, whose buyers were basically going to Amazon uh, to determine whether or not this product was legit, this business was legit. Um, but they ended up staying on Amazon, about 18% of them did, uh, and buying another product on Amazon. And so <clears throat> if you are a merchant that has an existing store, Yep. Would you say Amazon is another good fulfillment channel or another good channel that they could then get more clients for that store? Yeah, absolutely. Because it's its own ecosystem, really, um, of buyers that are on there, about 200 million a month. Uh, they are taking up a good majority of the market share above places like Walmart and eBay. Uh, and they are very much brand driven. So if you have brand and you have business and you have off Amazon types of sales, you should really take it pretty seriously. Uh, because it is a, an amazing fulfillment engine. Um, it can attach to your, your other technologies a lot of times and make the delivery of products um, easy. You can actually send stuff in Amazon's warehouses and have it um, shipped for you like a third-party logistics company. Uh, and of course, you can have them delivered on Amazon. So we have some of our clients that just ship everything into Amazon, and then it fulfills into multiple channels, not just Amazon. Uh, giving them kind of a singular logistical location to manage their supply chain. And in most, in most instances, kind of lowering those costs um, while also gaining the sales on Amazon's channel um, because there are a lot of sales to be made on Amazon's channel, almost 18 million a day from third-party sellers. And everything you can think of is being sold on there. 
Yeah, and I would say as a merchant, uh, exploring that channel is a great option for you, as well as determining how you can move business back to your own store from Amazon by testing some of those things. Amazon's a great place for you to test some of those products that you may want to sell. And I can think of a, uh, um, we had a, a client that was down in Tennessee mm-hmm. and they, they made uh, grills and all of their parts went on Amazon. Probably right. 95% of their sales were on Amazon and the other 5% was on their own website. And what they wanted to do is try to figure out how can they get some of those things back into their own their own store uh, because we could talk about some of the fees that might be incurred when you go on Amazon. Sure. So I have a a client that's a tonneau cover um, supplier, manufacturer and brand seller, and they're doing about 15 million a year. And they've come to us and said, Hey, we want to open the Amazon channel. It's an opportunity we're missing. We see a lot of competitors on there. Uh, We forecasted with them a plan of action that could pull them in about 5 million in the next 12 months by utilizing Amazon's channel, its traffic, and of course their email uh, and customer lists that already exist in the business will be utilized to help expand that brand into Amazon and to take advantage of a whole traffic source and obviously a revenue stream and profit stream that they don't currently have. So it has a huge opportunity to open those doors. Now, where the, by the numbers component I mentioned a minute ago and ensuring that it's uh, properly um, monetized and that you are obviously making it a profitable channel is to understand what Amazon charges uh, to have you list in their system. They they charge anywhere between seven to 25%. And it's a variable based on the department in which you're selling. We typically will advise customers to make sure that their SKUs that go on Amazon are in the 15% range. That's about average. Uh, for most all the products and departments on Amazon. The variables will usually be in things like um, kitchen, uh, excuse me, I think it's actually um, grocery and electronics have a little bit of a different fee structure to them. But on average, most are about 15%. And that ties to a unit you sell. So we incorporate that into our costs. There's obviously fulfillment fees uh, that Amazon charges to fulfill, like any pack and, you know, pick and pack or third-party logistics company would charge. Uh, you have storage costs at their warehouse for storing the items there. And you have shrinkage and fulfillment fees that have to occur as well for the handling of that product and ensuring any returns or manufacturing defects are added into your numbers. So by the time you obviously put cost of goods for each unit you currently source or manufacture yourself, then you have kind of a a fully landed cost um, for that each unit sold. Now, what we recommend is that that fully landed cost stays at 35% total cost of goods for a unit sold, 35% or less. Why do we recommend that? Because in terms of competition within the market space, if you can maintain that, you will overtake most of the other competition in the marketplace through basically making sure your back end is more profitable than theirs. So then the real opportunity at that point becomes the better marketer. It becomes providing a better narrative, a better solution um, to your product versus the product that there could be buying in the marketplace, somebody else's. So once you know your numbers, we do want you to maintain at least $12 in profit per unit or more. Now, why do I say that? Because Amazon is a competitive marketplace like any other. But what we've also noticed is that all of those sellers, those 50 to 60% of sellers on Amazon who were third party like us, many of them do not run their business like a business. Uh, Many of them run their business like a side hustle or a hobby business. And so they aren't really pulling the profit. They aren't really building the business correctly and evaluating every product. 
through its full market research. And that's something I would very recommend, uh, highly recommend you do before you go to market. You need to know your numbers. Um, when we go into the marketplace, as an example, and you're somebody who's selling a, a widget and it makes you say $8 in uh, gross margin, but before you actually put on, say, advertising fees and stuff, you might find yourself making like $3 in profit per unit. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's if that's what your number is, then that's fine by you. It's not really fine by me, but that may be okay for you. What we like to look at is and say, well, if you're doing $8 in profit on your widget print, and I'm going to go compete with you and make a slightly better innovative product. And I'm going to go to the market with a better innovation and solution that's going to answer the questions that your customers are saying yours doesn't. Then I'm going to shoot for profit that's at least 50% more than yours. And then when I go to market, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go in and target all your customers and I'm going to buy them. And for your $8 in profit you make before your cost of advertising, I'm going to go in and spend 10 to $12 and I'm going to acquire all those customers they would have bought your product and instead they're going to come buy my product. So if you aren't thinking about it in that way, if you're not going into that space of competition, and if you certainly don't know those numbers, you're not going to know how to target your three to five main competitors inside the system. And they're going to eat your lunch instead yeah, of so you eating their lunch. Let's dig into that a little bit more. So um, yeah. a, if you have a product uh, that you're selling on Amazon yes. and you have a competitor you theoretically, if your cost is lower, you could theoretically uh, market to them across the Amazon channels uh, by, tell, just walk us through that, how, how that yeah. can be done. So Amazon's a beautiful little ecosystem and it has internal advertising inside of it. Unlike say a Facebook AdWords or some other type of off advertising, they have a, a system inside of all this inventory of people looking through the system. Uh, and they have pay-per-click campaigns inside called sponsored ads. Um, these PPC campaigns will obviously get your product in front of other buyers, uh, but it is also an organic ranking engine, which is similar to like Google, but it's on the product side, not the information side. Now, this PPC campaign, once you register your company with Amazon and you do what's called a brand registration, you will unlock what's called sponsored brands. It's another level, another tier of inventory and another placement of ads inside the system. So combined with sponsored ads and sponsored brands, you can rank a product to the top of any keyword search in about five minutes. Now, of course, it's very important it converts, but that's not really the point. The point is you can get right in front of anybody's traffic with your product in five minutes. Now, obviously it has to convert. And one of the ways to make sure that's profitable is to know that your product profitability and your purchase of that customer will outpace the competition, right? You can stay there longer, you can pay more for that customer, and ultimately you will drive more of their customers into your listing and off of the other listing, okay? And so the other component of the sponsored ads and brands that's very powerful when you market inside and is the capability of you to rank organically. So unlike an AdWords or even on a Google, you're, someone may be familiar on here with search engine optimization, SEO, and being able to rank blogs and posts and other things inside of Google. Well, Amazon is a, the highest domain authority on the web. So when you rank for the keyword inside of Amazon, you will also rank on Google as one of the top listings for your target keyword, and you'll pull that traffic in from Google. So the beauty of the PPC sponsored campaigns is that when I go in and buy more traffic than you can pay for, I will rank my product inside of Amazon. It's an inverse relationship. So I can buy that traffic while getting my ranking to go up until my organic ranking is now setting at the top for my keyword search. And there's my sponsored ad and there's also my branded ad. So I now own all of that space. 
And when people see that in Amazon and they're looking for their product, they're really looking to say, well, what's the best one that I should trust? Well, Amazon is presenting this product to me. So clearly this might be the best one to trust. So similarity and familiarity are an equation that equal trust on Amazon. So we're creating similar brands with familiarity. We get Amazon's trust and we win the customer. Yeah. Okay. So um, as I'm building out my product catalog and let's just say I'm selling tooth pulling pliers. Yeah. Um, if I have a brand for that, <clears throat> that's where the branding would come in. I couldn't just put on a pair of pliers that's some other brand. I couldn't build out a brand store like that. That's correct, right? You, you could actually use Amazon like an eBay. Now it's in their terms of service to allow the technology to this, but right now they're very much seeing the abuse of it. It is what's referred to as um, online arbitrage, wholesale arbitrage, FBA wholesaling. It's where you take someone else's branded products and you stick them into Amazon. Usually you'll put them on the existing brand's listing. Uh, as long as that brand allows you to do that, they'll allow you to hijack their listing, become one of the 20 people who are selling that product. We don't do that. We don't do that because we're not building someone else's brand. We're building our brand. Uh, and if we do that, what we typically find is there's a race to the bottom. You have to have softwares that constantly manage uh, by the penny your pricing structure, and it typically is a race to the bottom pricing. You may have a product that looks like it has $12 in profit when you stick it in there, say Nike shoes or some other product you're trying to sell. But by the time it actually sells on the listing, you may only make two to three to five bucks. So you're not actually pulling off as much profit. So it becomes a volume game. And the volume game is the amount I can move. I know this firsthand because I had a warehouse with 20,000 square feet. I had 12 employees and we were moving 10 truck rolls a week of product into Amazon's wholesale FBA system. We did that for about 18 months. And at the end of that 18 months, we recognized it was a lot of work. We made another job for ourselves, And at the end of the day, no one was really ever going to buy that. And the moment we shut it down, it all quit. So yeah, I thought my idea on that too, was if you sell it at a loss, you can always make that up on volume. Right. And that's actually a misnomer. If I'm making a dollar in profit on a thousand units and I sell 2000 units the next month, I've actually just increased my cost and logistics without actually really increasing the most important data point, which is my profit. So the bigger difference would to be if I could sell a thousand units this month at a dollar, but I could sell a thousand units next month at $2. Now I'm actually going the right direction. If I could sell 500 units at $5, now I'm really headed the right direction. So it isn't the amount of inventory because that creates logistics fulfillment and pipeline issues. And those all cost, it's all back-end costs. What I'm looking for is the maximum amount of profit I can move with the maximum amount of units that will be allowed to move that product. And I'm considering each product as one revenue stream. And we like a minimum of five products inside of that brand uh, for multiple reasons. It lowers risks. Uh, across the business, but it also Amazon rewards that when you have more than five products in a brand, their system starts to reward your seller account. Okay. It sees you as a good product. It sees you as a good brand. It starts to give you more traffic and more ranking. So the more products I put into Amazon, the more money I make. It's really that simple. So to diversify your SKUs at profitability is where the products build profit, the brands build profit, and then the whole company is profitable. Yeah. So uh, then as a regular retailer or merchant, if you already have a store, one thing that you should be working on is building some of your own branded products. Absolutely. Sell, getting those onto Amazon. Uh, I can remember one of the things that Gary V said was don't just sell something, 
make something of your own and sell that and brand that. That's where all the fun is going to be where the difference is coming. It's where I can take a product that maybe has $20 in perceived value and I can innovate it slightly, maybe bundle it and change its perceived avatar. And instead I can spend, I can have somebody buy it for $40. Okay. Now my cost of goods didn't change per se on that product, but my perceived value just went through the roof. So if I'm just selling a pair of pliers, it's going to help me close the plumbing hatch on my hose outside, 20 bucks. But if you're selling me a pair of pliers, that's going to fix my tooth in five minutes, 40 bucks. So now I've changed an entirely different avatar for the product, right? Right, so there's, yeah, I get So that. now I've reached two different places of profitability. I've reached profitability in my supply chain and ensuring that my product is profitable when it goes to market. And I've also in interchanged a perceived value of the product that goes to a different level of avatar willing to buy that solution for my product and pay whatever the market bears. And in most cases, we'll even raise our profits, not lower them over time, so that we will increase profits. I had a gentleman come to me who was in that position. He was doing about a quarter million a year in sales. Uh, he was making about 3%, <laughs> triple net, 3% at the bottom line. And when we saw his product line, we saw where he was, we gave him a different set of eyeballs. And so in the next six months, we changed the perceived value of his products. We raised his prices, increased his profit over 200%. And by the end of that second year, he was doing 1.3 million in sales, but his profit margins had gone up 200%. So we didn't even have to reinvent anything with his products. We just had to reposition the value of the products in the marketplace to a different avatar. Right. So again, double your customer understanding, double your revenues. And it seems like a really simple concept, Brent, but a lot of people miss this. Um, they miss it in the execution. They miss it in the, the delivery. And I think in a lot of places, they miss it in the knowledge. Uh, as I'm looking out there and watching people talk on YouTube about things and perceived values, like, well, hey, just sell this $20 product and sell a thousand units of it. And you're going to be a millionaire. And I'm like, not exactly. <laughs> it's not really how it's going to work. Um, just because I sold more units doesn't mean I'm going to make more money. So we've talked about a lot of the good things that yeah. happen on, on break it Amazon. down on the bad side. What are, what are, there must be a couple of pitfalls that oh, absolutely. people can avoid. Yes. On, and I think about the, the five gallon pickle jar story from Walmart, where Walmart kept pushing these people with their five gallon jars of pickles. And it, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was a gallon jar. But right. <laughs> it ended up being that the company went out of business because they couldn't fulfill as many orders as Walmart wanted. Yeah. So there are those cons. Of course, inventory and supply chain is a little bit more difficult given the last 18 months of situation we have in our country uh, and across the world, frankly. So delivery times are taking a little bit longer uh, for customers who want to move product. That's a con. So it takes a little bit longer to get product manufactured and sent. It's not that you can't get it or that it's not available. It's just taking longer to come across the ocean uh, if that's where you're getting it from. Now, if you can get it from the United States, more power to you. If you can get it from Canada or Mexico, that's great too. But a lot of our manufacturing and supply chain has been moved outside of the, uh, the domestic United States. So you do have to wait a bit for product to make it uh, onshore. That is a con. Uh, by the same con, it is also an opportunity um, as a pro because those who obviously have strong supply chain have the ability to wait and move the right product and inventory. There are many people falling out of the marketplaces who are not sustainable. So holes are opening up in the markets here that were plugged years ago, but all of a sudden you can go back there. So strong business, strong players, and can turn that con into a pro. So the other one that might be most obvious to some people is, well, Amazon controls my product, my listing, and my customer data. So there is a potential con there. 
they could shut your account down for reasons they deem uh, whatever they deem. Someone gives you a false claim, they decide they don't like you. Uh, they don't want you to sell the product. There's rumors out there. There's a one example that everyone's taken a little bit too far of a company that got shut down because basically Amazon went and made its own brand of that product. And it was a ba Amazon Basics brand, but they were selling it very cheap. Um, and in fact, it got absolutely destroyed from Amazon because people hated it, got terrible reviews. <laughs> the original company was doing a much better job. But what did that company do wrong? Did Amazon exploit them, use them, abuse them, take legal measures to destroy them? No, actually, they did not. That company had exposed itself. It did not have correct trademarks and brands around its product. Amazon was within its rights to go out and compete with that product, but it just looked really negative and was spun negative. But in truth, that company was not protecting themselves. So there's a con going to market without putting your best business foot forward first. And this could be a lesson for anybody. I've had a million dollar Facebook account shut down because they decided they didn't like something because a bunch of people complained. Had nothing to do with me. It actually had to do with Amazon's policies. And when it was hosting apps and not hosting apps, and that set off a bunch of people. And when they saw my pages and stuff had the word Amazon on it, they flooded in with negative comments until the point where Facebook shut it off. I had no control over that. So there are mechanisms that you can and can't deploy. You just have to be very smart about how you maneuver those. And it's best to find somebody who knows what they're doing and help you understand that very quickly so you don't fall on your face, spend three to five years and a half a million dollars doing something that costs maybe a hundred grand in a year to do uh, and avoid those pitfalls and really understand what those cons are. And especially with someone who's ran into them. Because <laughs> in eight years, I've ran into all of it. I've never had an account shut down by Amazon because we've always built with the business in mind. We've always built with the end in mind. And that is, these are assets. They're legacy plays. They're plays for family there we can transfer them to our kids the kids become part of the owner our family or spouse can become owner they can be sold for millions of dollars they are assets uh and that is one of the things we do is we buy these companies we're acquirers of them and we look for brands that are strong we look for them to have good support good operational maintenance operational independence redundancy in their business they have to have a strong back end so if you're looking forward with the end in mind, you'll see there are cons, but there are also ways to outmaneuver those cons and turn them into pros. That's good. Um, well, we have about five, 10 minutes left here. Right. Um, what uh, what um, are you using to help yourself keep educated around this market, this crazy Amazon market? Yes, and, sir. And uh, Absolutely. How can, how can others get into that? So I do uh, follow a number of podcasts. Um, one of the easiest ways uh, to do that is obviously go to iTunes and search for e-commerce podcasts. Um, I typically look for those who are, I know are sellers in the industry, a podcast called Sellazo uh, out of Kansas City is a good one to follow. Uh, they have a great podcast that brings in a lot of uh, very interesting people who talk specifically about this market. Um, if you're into the business side, if you're into the uh, alternatives and e-com and alternatives and wealth, I follow the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast out of uh, Alabama. Joey and Russ host that. It's very smart. Talks about alternatives for financing, investment, money, uh, short-term rentals and e-com opportunities and passive income opportunities. Very cool podcast. So I follow those two and I recommend anybody uh, take a listen to them. There's a lot of great education coming out of those podcasts. If you could give a new merchant a good piece of advice right now or a nugget sure. yeah what would they what would they what could they walk away with and let's let's make this a two-part question okay what if there's somebody that's dreaming how mm -hmm. can i sell this thing online yeah and then somebody that's already selling something online 
Well, the first thing I would say, if you already are selling something, um, let's start with that avatar first, and you want to know whether it's profitable or I could make money with this product on Amazon, uh, I would encourage you to get a tool, uh, Helium 10, Jungle Scout, R6 Leaf tool, and I would go out there and evaluate the existing data in Amazon for products that very closely target yours or target of your product. Um, they may be very close, maybe exact, maybe really near it. Pull that data up. See kind of what they're selling, their ratings, what they're doing, what profit margins are estimated, and then decide if that product could be positioned differently or if you could take it to market and be very successful with it. Go by the numbers. Don't just guess. The data is there on Amazon for you to go gather it, and I would encourage you to do that first and then decide if that product currently positioned should be changed or could go to market exactly like it is. So if you're brand new, it's a very similar process, answering the question, what the hell do I sell? Uh, what we want to do is not marry any product ideas because there are plenty of girlfriends in Amazon's marketplace to steal. Uh, Amazon is a very big engine with over 500 plus million products. So there are millions of product opportunities for you to sell. There is uh, the uh, concept that maybe there's nothing for me to sell and I can't make anything work, but that's not actually true. Uh, we've launched 60,000 FBA products inside of our software since 2014. And I can tell you there are about 12 million product opportunities that will do everything we just discussed today. So what you need to do is run a process of analysis. You need to go in and just start looking at product opportunities, even in your own life, even go into your own uh, account, Brent, in your orders and look at the last 90 days. If you've ordered like 100, 150 products, you should understand that over 50% of those products were delivered by third-party sellers just like us. You may not even have realized it. What you should look at in that moment, and we'll call it your white car syndrome, is you should start seeing those white cars everywhere. Just start walking around your house, start realizing how many products you have in your home right now or in your desk or office. You may even talk on a microphone you ordered from Amazon. Um, that were purchased by you from what could be most likely a third-party seller who sold that. And the question should be, why can't I? And the answer is absolutely you can. So then you start to take those products, you use that data and knowledge to go in and evaluate products just like that one on Amazon right now. And you take their data and you pull it into what I call your more list. That's more profitable, more opportunity, maybe more innovation. And you start to look at those products and see the patterns in the data. That's a process that will take you through to the sourcing. And if you don't understand how to source, you've never sent product to a manufacturer or, or a, a, a negotiated with the manufacturer and whatnot, that, where, that position might be somewhere where a mentorship or a course or training could help you uh, really evaluate that process, be successful with it, and of course, validate the products that you've chosen and how to actually get them to market successfully, which might be something you should consider. Great. Um, all right. So as we wrap up the show today, I give oh. everybody a chance to do a shameless plug. Shameless plug time. <laughs> We'd like to go ahead and, and give us a shameless yeah. plug. And well, I will give you a shameless no pitch plug. How about that? I'm just going to say, look, if anything that sounds interesting today and you would like to learn more about maybe what we're doing at Voltage, how we're helping business builders grow, uh, how we're doing it in a pay-as-you-profit model, um, then take a look at what we're doing. You can literally just text me personally, the keyword Brent to 417-413-4209. You can reach me personally, just put in the keyword Brent. And I'll tell you a little bit about what we're doing. It's a very small circle. It is a mentorship. It's usually only 10 people and they're chosen because of their ability to move the market forward, move their business forward, start a new business and grow with us and really understand that. Uh, what we call our platinum principle, which is the exit of beginning the business with the end in mind, is your real business model. It is building these brands for exit. They are worth millions of dollars. And there are billions of dollars on the sideline waiting to buy these companies. 
And in fact, in the aggregation market of purchasing uh, that my company portfolios is entering right now, there are $6 billion that have already gone into the market in the last 18 months to purchase these companies. That is just very cutting edge, Brent. It's very new and it's a huge opportunity to understand that when you're going to market with this business, that you have something that's worth something in the end and it could be worth something for your family. It could even be sold for millions of dollars. You should really consider that when you're doing the business that you do it with that end in mind. And if it sounds very interesting to you, just text me again and we'll have a quick conversation. No pressure. I'm only inviting people who are really serious about building businesses. Great. And I will put all those links in the show notes uh, as, as long with my name. Uh, so uh, Neil Twa, thank you again. Neil Twa helps build and start businesses, enables people to start businesses. Um, his contact information will be in the show notes. And again, I thank you for being here today. It's been a great conversation. Thanks, Brent, for having me on. I appreciate it. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.